This is a Crow's Nest podcast. Welcome to Titanic Talkline. I am Alexia and I am really excited to welcome back Veronica Hinky because she has written a new book. Yes, I'm so excited. Alexia, thank you for, for uh, inviting me onto the show again. It's so good to be back. It's so it's always good to have you. I I love talking about food and cooking, especially it's finally getting to be not a hundred million degrees here in Texas. So you can actually think about using your oven and your stove when it's 110 real feel. You do not want heat in your house. You do not. <clears throat> but now it's like, feels like cooking season. <clears throat> yeah, it does. It, it definitely does. Cooking season. And who doesn't love cooking season? I mean, you would hope nobody, but um, for anyone who might be newer to my show, Veronica has been on before to discuss her um, first Titanic cookbook, um, Last Night on the Titanic. What is your new book called and what is it about? Excuse well, this me. new, bless you, the new book celebrates <gasps> 25th anniversary of the movie titanic and i don't think you can see real well no i could for a second it's a beautiful cover it's um listeners it's black with with gold it's beautiful it's the silhouette of jack and rose gorgeous and on the back it says recreate the elegance aboard the titanic and it's written for people who want to um you know share their hospitality with others uh, host people for uh, a movie party or mm-hmm. a, a watch party. Um, I was really tickled last spring when that wonderful movie marathon was hosted uh, <laughs> with all the different Titanic movies. And uh, maybe you want to do something like that at home of having a couple of different movies screened throughout the day. Yeah. And this is a guide for that. It includes everything from recipes to do's and don'ts from the Edwardian years. Ooh. <laughs> uh, some of the games that they would have played on board or that they would have played it during that time period. Oh, so um, yeah, it's a really, it's a lovely cookbook, but it is also a very fun cookbook. One of the things that I wanted to incorporate is movie snacks from the period so malted milk balls, gumdrops, those wonderful, you know, what we think of as old-fashioned treats. These are heart-shaped gumdrops that you can make that are actually really simple to make. Not a lot of uh, fussy ingredients. Everything is really very, you know, everyday item. You can just you make can, that at home, right? You can make them at home. And there's a recipe for uh, in the movie section, the movie snacks, of course, for caramel corn, Cracker Jack was produced in the World Columbian Exposition of 1893 in Chicago. And that sort of introduced a a new wave of interest in caramel corn. 
And so, um, you know, it's very likely that it was made as a treat aboard the Titanic or um, in homes at that time, for sure, in homes at that time. And I would think maybe a snack aboard the Titanic. And of course, it's uh, in it's, Popcorn Dan is mm-hmm. featured in this book as well. And this is sort of dedicated to him, the, the popcorn vendor from my hometown who was in third class and did not survive the sinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are also past appetizers, cocktails. Um, there are sweet, you know, desserts and so forth. Um, so there's just a, a nice range. There are six sections and um, each item was really strategically considered and planned. One of the um, examples of some just real thought that went into figuring out how to, how do you curate this cookbook um, was, you know, there were 150 approximately Syrians aboard the Titanic and hardly and nowhere near that number survived. Mm. And so I wanted to have a recipe that acknowledged that the, the immigrant story. And so I included a recipe for tabbouleh, which is a very classic Syrian um, dish And one that I think, you know, some of the moms that were packing up to take that trip might've packed up in their knapsack for that first day of travel. And um, this is, uh, for those who don't know what tabbouleh is, it's a very parsley forward salad and it's usually made with bulgur. So for real um, wheat and gluten conscious folks, I wanted to create a very plant forward recipe for this. And I use cauliflower instead of bulgur. So the cauliflower is ground almost to a cauliflower rice. And um, it's just, it's a really nice, light, refreshing salad. Um, There's a pizza recipe to acknowledge Fabrizio, the traveling companion of Jack Dawson. And, and um, one of the things that I realized and was able to confirm through researching the book is Pizza had only recently just been introduced to New York City around the time the Titanic sailed. So it was, I had to include a pizza recipe. I feel like I remember a book from when I was, oh my gosh, a kid. Aha, here we go. A kid's book called How Pizza Came to Queens. Mm. And I think it was like a fictional retelling of how pizza came to new york but yeah sorry that just reminded me uh, a little bit of that about yeah like you were saying how pizza is a slightly newer thing to us than we may have thought excuse me precisely that's what i was getting at is you know i we thought pizza had been around forever mm-hmm. but it makes sense right to figure out when when did it get here and it was it was right around that time and so it was a new item Obviously, it caught, you know, huge popularity very fast. Um, so it's obviously for good reason. Yeah. It's delicious. <laughs> Who doesn't like bread and cheese? Right. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of bread and cheese, there's a recipe for Welsh rarebit, which uh, one of the thir- the first class passengers, Elise Lorette, I love this story that she crossed out Welsh rarebit on her menu and. Uh, because she saved her menu, we're able to see that and mm-hmm. see, you know, what the menu had on it. 
Um, and so I just made Welsh rarebit the other night for a cooking class and um, it turned out so good. It's made with, this recipe is made with Guinness. And so it's a, a nice flavor for it and mustard. And um, the, the Welsh rarebit that most people are accustomed to is a, basically a big plate of bread with melted cheese over it and um, a melted cooked cheese cooked with mustard beer or wine and some really nice spices and so forth mm -hmm. but rather than have a big plate of it I really wanted this to lean towards um, appetizers for a party so I made these um, small on a baguette so that you could just eat them in two or three bites pick them up off of a appetizer serving tray and enjoy them as finger food that makes sense. Um, not to say that, I mean, I love fondue and anything to do with melted cheese, but as you're saying for a party, it's, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a little bit less convenient to, um, to have those big communal things just in general. You know, I went to a party that had a big thing of bruschetta and like pieces of crostini around it. And it's the same thing where you kind of have to <laughs> what am I supposed to do with this? You have to kind of find a spoon, make a pile of the stuff and then make your little tower of bread and wander away and assemble it strangely and hope you don't drop things everywhere. Right. We've all been there. Alexia, yes. like, how do I make it back to the table with all this? Right. And then you sit there and eat like a little squirrel with both hands, like, Oh God, please don't drop everything. No one look at me and no one talk. I like that idea of just having them as individual little hand pieces. It eliminates that awkwardness, well, especially with melted cheese. Melted cheese is not exactly easy to control. It's not. <laughs> and I did the same thing with the lamb. You know, of course I had to include the lamb. Um, it was just so famous from the movie. It was mm -hmm. the, on the menu on the last dinner menu in first class on the 14th of April. And it was such a highlighted dish in the, movie because as you remember molly brown says to cal you know kind of calling him out for his micromanaging ways are you gonna cut it for <laughs> to cal and um she was kind of coming down on him about um you know ordering for rose and um yeah, she it, right right so it was really a cute part of the movie but when he orders he says we'll have the lamb with mint sauce and so um the lamb with mint sauce, you know, it's not really clear if it was a, a odd juice with fresh mint in mm -hmm. it, or if it was something more like a jelly the, with like a bright green jelly. I like a bright green jelly type of mint sauce. Sure, so sure. I made that. I love that on my Indian food. I, I fell in love with Indian food in London. And um, I always have to have a little jar of mint jelly on hand for when I'm, you know, eating some Indian food. So I made it very similar to that. Uh, the lamb recipe is not with Indian spices or anything like that. Very basic salt, pepper, a little bit of garlic minced in on both sides. And you just cook them over the stove top in a saucepan for about eight minutes on each side. And um, I recently had to find some lamb chops that were 
the type that you see behind me where you can in my I have for the folks listening I've got a um uh backdrop on my zoom uh where it's a picture of the lamb chops they look so, very good in case anyone's wondering didn't those pictures turn out nice for inside editions and well to know and uh produce the photos and it, they turned out so beautiful the Actually, this book is just loaded with gorgeous photos. I'm really uh, excited you know, nice, to see it. Yeah, I, I can't wait for you to get it, Alexia. And so these lamb chops are great because they're on the bone and they're small and you can just like any finger food, just eat them with your fingers and um, you don't even need a fork for them. You just, you know, bite them right off the bone and they're delicious. Um, so they're, it's, it's something that I don't want to give too much of a shout out to any one store, but it's, there's a global store that people would recognize right away where they, they have these lamb chops. So they're very widely available in most cities. I would say, um, I really strive for that to help people be able to find things. You know, I, I, today I was trying to find some purple cauliflower, like I included in the recipe for the tabbouleh and couldn't find any. By the way, I substituted radicchio to get that purplish color. Okay. But uh, that was one thing that I thought was probably in every grocery store these days is purple cauliflower, but it's not. Uh, but I, I really did try to think of that with, with all the recipes. I feel as though that's a really conscientious thing to do. I've I've purchased cookbooks before and I've been disappointed to find that there's a recipe that has something that I just wasn't able to find easily in my region. And in many cases there, it's like a dairy or a meat product. So you can't just, you know, go on Amazon. If it's something that you can buy a spice or what have you, you can order that online. But oftentimes it's these, the specialty cheese that you need to order. I'm like, I can't mail order cheese. It's, It's difficult to do. So it's nice that approachability actually weighed into your recipe making decisions it really did and simplicity I don't have a lot of complicated directions and I really wanted it to be something that everybody could try and feel good about I was really amazed I had not made malted milk balls before and I was determined to develop the recipe so like with all these recipes I tested them two or three times and the malted milk balls are really simple to make. You have to order the malted powder or, you know, to make sure you get the right kind. Something looks good on online when you order it. And then um, you mix it, you, you, um, you mix it with some uh, melted white chocolate. I never would have thought of that. That's how they mix it. And then um, these you melt milk chocolate and dip them in that and they're sprinkled with a little cardamom um, so they're cardamom uh, melted milk balls but it's so easy you just roll them in your hands uh, plunk them into the melted milk chocolate set them aside to dry and sprinkle them with cardamom it's just a piece of cake and they're nice gifts you know I, I love to give guests something to take with them when they leave and a, a little bag of these is a great little treat for your guests to take home with you with them <laughs> i mean that sounds 
That sounds amazing. I love Maltesers. Like ever since I've had Maltesers, I can't have any other like brand. That's just currently the the top of line for me. But I imagine that a homemade one would be better. I got totally hooked on Maltesers in London too. <laughs> and um, you know, I I definitely wanted to highlight some of my own English culinary experiences. Um you know, one of the things too that I like to do in every book is highlight the thought that the the people that plan the menus put into them. And you probably remember how the crew menu had clover, which was a seabird, and how well they thought that out. And one of the things they did in second class is they were trying to do something special to acknowledge the United States where they were headed. Mm-hmm. So they had a basically a Thanksgiving dinner on that last night in second class on the 14th. They had roast turkey with cranberry sauce and stuffing. And um, I I definitely wanted to include a recipe to acknowledge that. So there's a roast turkey recipe um, and cranberry sauce. I, I wish I had thought at the time to put a little sidebar in cranberry sauce is so easy to make it's just a cup of cranberries a cup of water a cup of sugar uh, boil it down for a little while and um, you've got a really nice sauce mm-hmm. so thanksgiving's coming up yeah not too yeah. far away and so i thought i'd give that a good shout out for people that are you know thinking of something special to do for their holiday i always like to celebrate with things people can learn um, and so you know there's something for your Thanksgiving dinner table. And then um, moving ahead to spring, of course, that's when the Titanic was sailing. So the spring uh, items were so um, popular on the menus. And one of them was um, a consomme jardinier, which means, you know, garden vegetable consomme. Consommes were very popular in Edwardian years. And For people who don't know what it is, um, what is a consomme? Thank you, Alexia, for getting me to take a pause there and give a little bit of side note here. So basically, it's a broth. It's um, a a broth that could be either from vegetables, um, any other types of ingredients. It doesn't have to just be chicken or beef or vegetables. It could be um, you know, a fish broth, a fish consomme. Um, this consomme in the book is made from spring vegetables. Um, it's a, a nod to the fact that they had so many different spring ingredients on those tables. Baby parsnips, parsnips new potatoes. Um, what else is in here? Uh, spring peas of course spring onions and easter egg radishes so we don't have these recipes we know they had a consomme jardinier uh jardinier means a garden in french i don't know if i i can't remember if i mentioned that but garden consomme so garden vegetable consomme and we don't know what those chefs put in there so I really got creative and thought, I want to put all spring ingredients into this. And I just basically boiled them down, got a really nice broth. And then I put a few things into the um, broth after it was strained, put a few things back in like 
um, the radishes, pieces of the radishes, the um, the peas. So it's there's a little something in there to chew on, but most of it is like a, a broth. Sounds really good and light. Yes, very nice and light. Very nice and light. I'm trying to think what else I should. What's what is your favorite? item from the menus alexia what what are you most interested in i think i'm really fascinated by appetizers of the time i've noticed that i don't know maybe this is just me okay this is just me talking out of the clouds but i think that in my just observing of menus not to say that main dishes don't change, but I've noticed slight more consistency with mains. Like you'll find lamb chops almost every decade. You'll find a light yeah. spring fish. But I think that I find that appetizers change the most. That's where I guess people get like artistic and what have you. It's where you try new things. It's, you know, where people show off their amuse-bouche and what have you. So I find appetizers fascinating because I think that that's a really neat way of almost tracking time and food trends. Good point. Definitely. And, you know, um, oysters were very popular on the Titanic. And um, there is a recipe for oysters mignette, which is a very nice, light and bright sauce for them. And I'm going to turn to it here and um, look at my notes for this. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very important to have a really flavorful sauce for your oysters and have we ever talked about oysters i don't think you and i ever have i think we may have briefly touched on them under the context of um how around this time was when refrigerate portable refrigeration had come into play and that really changed kitchens and cooking yes i remember now we did and at the time i was working on this recipe Mm -hmm. It's made with champagne vinegar and a Mm. little bit of finely diced shallot, some sea salt, um, some sugar, and some peppercorns ground. And that's all it is. It's you just mix those up and you can put them in a little glass container alongside your oysters. Um, You can put them on a, a platter full of ice, maybe with a little lip on it, like a pie 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 plate uh, and serve that like that. So I thought I'd mention that since you mentioned you liked the the, um, appetizers of the time. I find that interest appetizers and cocktails are interesting because last time we talked about we were I was asking you to speculate why cocktails had less alcohol back then. And that I, I still don't know the definitive answer, but I find those sort of things interesting because it just tracks, it shows you how the priority for the experience changes over time. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. Ooh, what's your favorite cocktail recipe from this book? Well, how, it's so hard to pick. I love them <laughs> all. And let me just think of one that I haven't, that you and I have not talked about yet. I think I had you extensively talk about the gin and tonic last time because my friend with the roller derby name. (laughs) Right. That's, we did talk about that. Did we ever talk about the old fashioned? I don't 
know, but old fashioned came up the other day because uh, my boyfriend went to order one at the bar and they couldn't make one. And even I, who don't drink, was surprised. I'm like, it's an old fashioned for for Flip's sake. What do you mean you don't have it? What? That is surprising because nowadays they're very popular. And they were popular popular then too. Yes. It was one of the core drinks. And I had to include an old fashioned in the book because. Jack Dawson is from Wisconsin and I don't, yes. And I don't think there's any more popular drink here. And I live in Wisconsin, so I can attest to this. I think it's got to be the, the most popular drink here, or at least the most um, iconic cocktail of Wisconsin. And it's made with um, um, whiskey, right? uh, It's, Sorry, I'm looking at something. No, okay. It can be made with whiskey or brandy. You can make it one way or the other. If you like your old-fashioned sweet, then you want to make it with brandy. And this is, I like the sweet. Mm-hmm. So this recipe is sweet, and it's made with brandy. I'm so glad that we're talking about this because this is good, good conversation, good stuff to talk about. Um, a slice of orange and a maraschino cherry is a mm. very classic garnish for this so um that's what has what what is in this um recipe and then um orange bitters is usually used i made i put a ginger twist on this old-fashioned with ginger bitters and a little bit of sugar water some um lemon lime soda and then um just stir it up in ice. You don't have to shake this one at all. They can be stirred and they're, they're delicious. And it's a nice toast to Jack Dawson. He was from Chippewa Falls, which is about two hours from where I'm sitting right now. And he talks about that in the movie about how he would go ice fishing in Chippewa Falls on Lake Wissota, which, you know, that was the, the most interesting thing about, you know, all the different facts that went into the movie because there wasn't a Lake Wissota at the time the Titanic sailed because it was a man-made lake. And for all the details that were correct in that movie and were so fascinating, that's one that is, is really interesting about Lake Wissota. Um, so I, I wanted to have a, an old fashioned in the book for him. And, and that is one of my favorite drinks. I like to go to dinner here in Wisconsin and, when it's a new place I haven't been to, if I haven't tried their old fashioned, I always want to try their old fashioned. It's your, uh, yeah. it's your barometer of whether or not they can handle it. it yeah. I got to check it out and see if it's something that, you know, will I come back for this? I think that's fair. You talked, yeah. uh, you mentioned that the old fashioned was a nod to Jack. What do you have in there? That's um, for Rose. Well, I think that, you know, there's probably the lamb chops because mm-hmm. where um, I, I definitely thought of Rose with that because Cal orders her, her um, lamb for her. And that's such a statement, isn't it? From the movie. And yeah, then yeah. Um, the gumdrops, the heart shaped gumdrops. I, that's kind of a nod to Rose and her heart necklace and um, just the, the whole love story. One of the reasons I love the Titanic movie so much is because it's just the classic love story. 
And it reminds you of falling in love for the first time all over again. And it's just, I think that's one of the reasons still so it still resonates so well with people. What, what is your favorite thing about the movie, Alexia? What do you like the most about the movie? There's a lot that I really like about it, but I think for me, what I most enjoy is that it is a mutually consensual love story. There's so many movies of the 90s and 2000s that um, they have this particular trope about them where it's very much that quote-unquote bad boy attitude where the guy will, you know, kind of really mistreat the female protagonist in a way. And then in the end, for whatever reason, it all is forgiven because suddenly he's nice. There's never any apology or reformation. It's just that you're supposed to accept somebody. And I thought, you know, as I got older, I realized what a horrible message that is and how different Titanic was. Yeah. Yeah. That's really true. Yeah, and I, you know, I realize that that's a very simplified way of of, of putting it. But yeah, you know, if, if you think about t- movies of of the 2000s, anyone who's listening, think about like 10 Things I Hate About You, She's All That, She's the Man, all these movies that had a quintessential makeover in them. You know, <clears throat> excuse me, the love interest, male love interest doesn't usually start off by treating her like a queen, let's just say. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you. Jack Dawson really showed a lot of guys how to do it. Hey, how do you feel about this? If we play a game of tell me if this is, there's a section in the book, do's and don'ts of Edwardian etiquette. Yes. So how about if I, if we, I'll uh, read one of these to you and tell me if it's a do or don't. I am prepared to fail at all. Let's do it. No, you won't. (laughs) Men should never leave their hat on in the presence of someone of higher social standing. Do that or don't? Uh, you Men should not have a hat on in the presence of someone that is of higher social rank than them. Good. Yes, it's a don't. Uh, resist the urge. Here, I better phrase this a little differently. I think the way these are phrased, this will be a little better. Um, is this a do or don't resist the urge to thank the serving staff or make a fuss over how well they are looking after everyone? I'm no, don't do that. Yes. Good. Just take, it's so counterintuitive to today. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Mm -hmm. but like, yeah, you know, how rude would that be? Yes. And I do that a lot. I'm kind of a gusher and I thank you so much when I'm, Same. you know, but yeah. And I just, I, I just have to do it. Mm-hmm. So that would be hard. Um, don't set one dish down in favor of another dish. Take a little of everything. This is kind of an obvious one. It's yeah, you should, you should help yourself to a little of everything. Be a grazer. Mm-hmm. Uh, have topics planned for conversation. Keep guests focused on the topics that you introduce. Should you keep your guests focused on the topics you introduce or turn it over to them? 
I feel like, in, again, in a modern day society, the answer is to turn it over to them. But in Edwardian times, I think maybe as host or hostess, it was on you to make sure that the conversation was what it should be. Very good. Yeah, it's a do. Wild. I find. Well, oh, I mean, I don't think you're going to know the answer to this, but is it because of the reason I guessed or it's like, this is my party. I am the hostess. It's supposed to stay at whatever status it's supposed to be. So I will guide the conversation to make sure that it stays elevated or whatever. That's exactly what it is. It's kind of on you as the host, hostess, host. And um, you are, that's your job to make sure that you keep the conversation going in a certain direction. What was a polite, what, like if, if, cause we, everyone is want to talk about interesting things. What, how are you as a host or hostess supposed to graciously get the conversation back on track? Cause I, I know that again, modern etiquette would just be like, okay, we're every we're not going to talk about this anymore. That's we're we're done talking about this. You, you that nineteen twelve, you can't just do that. Exactly, and I'm guessing what they did was a very tactful, careful way of saying. Uh, and back to what you were saying, Tom, <laughs> you know about that lamb. You know how to about the way the lamb tastes. Mm-hmm. you know, to kind of transition and, or maybe you'd excuse yourself and then come back and start the conversation again that way. Excuse That's me. Fair. I need to go to the ladies room and Davis would be very careful. Um, oh, should a man receive something ahead of the ladies who are with him? Who should be accommodated first? Women. Right. So don't do Men should never receive anything ahead of the ladies who are with them. Um, oh, here's a good one. Do or don't wear gloves during dinner. Oh, I feel like in the movie, he has her gloves on during dinner because she has a bracelet over them. So it looks like people do not wear gloves with the intention of removing them. So you do keep uh, your gloves on during dinner? You don't. No. Oh, gee. Well, that yeah. makes more sense, actually, because I'm just imagining how much food you would get on your gloves if you kept them on. You wear them until dinner is served. And when dinner is served, you remove your gloves, place them on your lap, and cover them with the dinner napkin. That is in front of you on the table. Who would have thought? I never would have thought you'd have to cover your gloves. <laughs> no, I would have thought more that you would cover your hands, weirdly enough, because the gloves are to cover your hands, but you take the gloves off and suddenly it's like, nope, don't mention those. How soon before a party do you send your invitations? What's I'm proper? Thinking- I'm thinking of me setting up Facebook events like four months in advance, but I think that that is ridiculous. But I'm going to say two months, just accounting for like mail at the time. You got it. It's four to six weeks. Good job. That still seems like not enough time to me because I don't know how long it took for things to get delivered back then, but even now it can take a couple weeks. Yeah. 
Who goes to the dinner table first? The highest ranking lady or the lowest ranking lady? Who goes to the dinner table first? The, um, the lowest ranking person? Because I feel like when you see things of King Arthur's court, like everyone waits for the king and he's the highest. Good point. Yeah, it's the low, it's the highest. The highest ranking lady goes to the dinner table. Never mind. Um, I got one wrong. Oops. And does the host take the lady or does the hostess take the lady? I'm going to guess that at the time it was proper for the host. Yes, the host takes the lady. Which is weird because everything was so gender segregated at the time. You'd think that they would do the same thing there. At least I would have thought. Well, this is a good one to end on here. We haven't gone through all of them, but a good sampling. Where does the phrase keep a stiff upper lip come from? A stiff upper lip. Keep a stiff upper lip. I know what it means. I'm going to guess it's for when you eat something you don't like. Exactly. It's to <laughs> not show too much emotion. You needed to be very restrained. And oh, it would have been so hard for me. That's though that and the um the no fidgeting thing. Yeah, I find profoundly fascinating as an extremely fidgety person and someone whose face betrays them often. Yes, I know. Me too. People say they can read my face. Yeah, it's like I've seen the T-shirt that's like, if if my mouth doesn't say it, my face will. It's like, yeah, that's me. I don't think I fare well in these, especially the no fidgeting thing. I don't, I I am sometimes so unaware of my fidgeting that I have to see it with my eyes. Like I'll look down and realize, oh, I've been shaking my leg for an hour and had no clue. How profoundly unacceptable in in Edwardian times. Um, Do you want to know what the top wedding registry gifts were at the time oh i absolutely do can you name any of them i'm gonna guess that it's something from tiffany's it's always tiffany's i bet a lot of us could be from tiffany's so one of the big things was a celery dish you know how <laughs> celery was on i didn't the- realize that celery had its own dish all right well it did then and the titanic sailed in there I'm sure they had celery dishes on the Titanic and I've included these things so people can entertain at home um, according to the period. A silence cloth was used underneath the tablecloth so that when you would set your dish down, like your dish of food to serve, it wouldn't make a big clunk. So a silence cloth, that was a big wedding gift. That makes a lot of sense. Oh, I have, I just realized I have a singular guess um irish lace oh i would bet although i didn't come across it when i was researching that is like the only thing i could think of like linens yeah linens but i i'm also thinking now that probably as you're saying like 
very high-end serving and party where like maybe crystal glasses yep berry sets glass berry sets just for your berries and we don't really have that now do we have like a berry set that you can no i don't know i just googled what a glass berry set oh i've seen these i've seen people use these like i think my grandmother eventually started using these as like ice cream dishes Uh uh-huh yep and i know there were a lot years later when depression glass became popular there was um there was a lot of that there was a lot of um chocolate pots hot chocolate an actual pot and cups dedicated to hot chocolate so there were some really things that have been lost in time right i think that's really interesting how you know There used to be so many individual items. Like no one has a celery dish anymore. We usually just have a general like serving or chafing dish that we use for all of our vegetables. Yeah, exactly. And that that was a dedicated celery dish. We don't really serve celery that much. No, thankfully. I'm sorry. I'm a celery hater. It is just stringy water. Well, what do you put in your Waldorf salads then? <laughs> I, I don't really eat a lot of salads. <laughs> I should. I have to. I have terrible eating habits. That's also why I'm excited for this book. Because I also know, I, I do like historical cookbooks because, well, not the ones from the 50s and 60s. Those are just like culinary horror shows. But <laughs> they all- <laughs> so much gelatin and weird hot dogs in them. Like, Why? But um, I do like a lot of historical cookbooks because they do have a little bit less like added sugar um, and some of a little bit less of the added ingredients. And as my, you know, stomach and digestive system get more sensitive, that's very impactful. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I know you're a huge fan of the movie, so I have to ask you this trivia question. Okay. When Jack tells Rose that he worked in Monterey, California, remember? Mm -hmm. He was telling her about his life. Do you remember what he did out there? He worked on a squid boat in Monterey. You, I knew you were going to nail this. So guess what I had to do? I had to include a calamari recipe in honor of that story. How did you decide to prep the calamari? I'm, I'm guessing it wasn't fried. It is. Yeah. Oh, is and, it? and breaded and, you know, because there were so many other recipes of like the, um, the sardines with the sauce and mm-hmm. herrings with the sauce with fresh fish. I thought I want to make these like we know them today, you know, mm-hmm. how they would be today and um, how people love them. Um, just like you'd get in a restaurant. So uh, they're, they're, it's a batter and they're fried and then a nice tomatoey sauce, but good mm-hmm. for you. I knew you would get that right. Alexia. Yay. How many times have you watched the movie? Oh, let's not quantify. Let's not quantify things that shouldn't be quantified. (laughs) A lot. A lot. Many times. And I will also say the dialogue is simple enough where it's pretty easy to remember. Yeah. It's not a whole lot of weird dialogue. Like, I don't remember a lot of the dialogue from Inception, for example, because it's very, there's a lot of monologues. Yeah. 
every time I notice something different that I'd mm-hmm. never noticed before, every time I watch it. So it's exciting. 25 years. I think it gains interest and popularity every year. I think it actually increases in popularity. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm really thrilled that we can provide this party planner entertainment guide and, and recipe book for people to really have fun with this. For people who don't know, what is the book called and when is it going to be available for um, general, general sale? Well, it's called Titanic, the official cookbook, 40 timeless recipes for every occasion. And it came out last week. So it's available everywhere now. And fantastic. I'm, I'm just so pleased. I, I'm so happy about this because I really wanted to do something when the 100th anniversary of Titanic was coming up. I wanted to be contributing to that in some way. And when the movie was coming up on its big 25th anniversary, I was so delighted to be able to be part of it in some small way like this. So, yeah, I don't know why my copy hasn't got here yet. I'm going to go check a mailbox because it looks really, really fun. And I like, again, I just, I want to bring attention to the fact that you brought up that you wanted to make sure that a lot of these recipes were accessible. And I think that that's important. Again, like I love Julia Child. Um, I have a copy of her Mastering the Art of French Cooking. I love making recipes from it, but that's a whole day. You know, you make one of those recipes and that's, that's your whole day. Uh, people are so busy now. I don't know anybody who has time for making a meal like that these days. And it's a lot. Yeah, it it really is. And I'll tell you, I'm still making these things. Like I made them from the cooking class on Thursday. And this food is delicious. And it really doesn't take a lot of, of huge effort or skill to make these things. I think that's important to know. Like delicious doesn't have to mean pretentious. Yes. That's a really good thought to leave on with that idea. It doesn't have to be pretentious. Mm-mm. I mean, fresh fish with just salt, pepper in a pan. Yeah. And like we've talked about before, if you're in a rush and you want to do something special and it's, you know, you want to do something for like a Titanic movie that your friend is having, you want to bring something, put together that assortment of cheeses from the lunch menu in first class every day. If something like that is so simple to do, or even if it's just a couple of the cheeses, um, you know, just something thoughtful like that. It doesn't, again, doesn't have to be complicated. Like I went on a cruise this year and some of the appetizers and some of the food were these super complicated dishes where it's like, wow, that's very fancy. And some of them were just simple, nice, classic dishes that you could predict and were good like a caesar salad you don't need to make a caesar salad crazy it just needs to be a caesar salad yeah just a nice salad good for you for going on a cruise where did you go we went to um cosmel oh nice yeah it was good, really Mm-hmm. I I love the ocean. I am one of the. I could happily go on a bunch of cruises. I just love being on the open ocean. So I find that I find that fun. I know some people do not. Um, they hate um sea days, but I actually really really like them. Yeah, I do too. Well, I'll tell you what. If you don't receive your book soon, let me know, 
in the next couple of weeks or so. I want to make sure that you get a copy. Yeah. And if yeah, I, yeah, I will keep an eye on the mailbox. I'm it's like what's wrong with mail, but anyone who does, who's thinking about it, I definitely encourage you to pick up a copy. I, I love the first one, your first Titanic related cookbook. And I love that this one is incorporating the movie because, you know, as I've talked about a lot on my show, the movie is completely valid and people who are fans of the movie should have that space made for them. So, you know, thanks for looping, looping in the movie fans. Sometimes it's nice to have something for a movie night and not everyone wants to make a, I don't know, guinea fowl every 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 day cornish hen that's what i meant to say cornish hens yeah guinea fowl cornish hens same thing yikes oh geez but yes everyone go find a copy of this you can get it on amazon that's probably the most convenient place for everyone but i encourage you to check your local bookstore um and if they don't have it you can ask them to order it And I just have to say something to you. Uh, thank you so much for helping to keep these stories alive and for all that you do to connect people with these stories because you've been so dedicated with your podcast and it it just shows the the love and and care that you put into it. So thank you, Alexia. Oh, I really appreciate that. I mean, I've, you know, every once in a while I have to take a break or so, but I, I really love getting to talk to everyone about their individual passions. And, you know, it's just really fun to meet people who's, who, you know, somehow we're all connected back to this thing that happened in 1912, somehow, whether it's through a relative or a love of food, there's just that one little star back there that everyone keeps looking to. Everyone keeps looking to it. The- so well said the same star same star second star on the right and straight on till white star yes well veronica thank you so much for coming on everyone go get yourself a copy of your of her book and bug her via her contact form so she keeps writing titanic cookbooks oh i sure hope so i hope i have another opportunity because this has been pure joy and i'm so glad we got to talk me too and i have a feeling that i will have you on again this is becoming one of my favorites good good i would love that awesome thank you so much for coming on uh and i'm looking forward to reading this book (laughs) all right okay i hope you get it soon okay thanks so much alexia thank you titanic talk line was created and produced by me alexia Be sure to keep up with the show on all the social medias at Titanic Talkline on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That is all one word, Titanic Talkline, T-I-T-A-N-I-C-T-A-L-K-L-I-N-E. If you want to get in touch, be on the show, sponsor the show, or have a question or anything you want to tell me, send me an email at TitanicTalkline, again, all one word, at gmail.com. That's TitanicTalkline at gmail.com. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. Bye!